0: found that most practices that are at least trying to make an effort and follow up, in most cases, trying to manage it through Excel, which was really not made for that. They end up just having a huge list of names with phone numbers and sometimes emails, but there is no logs of activity. Where was the last conversation was dropped off? What was the reason for conversion or non-conversion? And they don't really, at the end, come to the right insight of what is working and even sometimes more important, what is not working.
1: Practice Perfect. Actionable business information to take your medical practice to the next level. Now, your host, Nick Dumitru. Welcome back to another episode of the Practice Perfect podcast. On today's episode, we're going to discuss probably the number one thing that leads to success or failure in a practice, and that is the ability to follow up with your leads. You know, any monkey can start generating you leads online. The quality of a lead varies. We're going to get into that a little bit. But today we're going to really dive deep into what makes that work. And back by popular demand, I've got with me Isaac Musley, who is the former CEO and founder of Atlas KPI, one of our most popular episodes. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to Isaac on that one. He's got some great points to make, and I think you'll learn a lot. That company was acquired, and Alex has moved on to his next venture, so I'm also going to call him a serial entrepreneur on this podcast, and we're going to dive deep into the next software and you know his insights and what he's seen with running both of these companies. So, Isaac, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. All right. So, Isaac, you started Atlas KPI because, unlike a lot of people that i see seen in the industry, you are paying attention to some things that other people weren't, and that is basically what makes a practice work, what takes them to success, what numbers they should be paying attention to. So I want you to kind of take me through the journey of what you learned through running Atlas and what led to this new venture with your medical PRM software. Yeah, it's actually very related to each other. So Atlas was really focused on the data
0: analytics, understanding that doctors are not all the time business oriented or not all the time past business schools to understand better how their business work or understand the ratios of their expenses. Really, the key performance indicator that makes a difference for most businesses. I realized while working with different practices that they're very focused on conversion rate, but don't really understand what is conversion rate means or which conversion rate of the process or a process as a whole. They wouldn't be able to identify the process from the number point of view. And that really led me to start Atlas KPI to simplify that process generate for them dashboard so it will make sense to them what they see in the business the results that they see when it comes to the bottom line profits or even revenue and understand how is it really being generated from a number point of view that represent the process of that when I started to work with the practices more and more over the dashboard I started to notice that really what can make the difference is not even the optimization of the business it's really the front end of the business. It's all the part of marketing. There is a whole disconnect from the marketing agency that's not able to access the EMR or the ability to track the leads activity. And when I mean leads activity, I mean anything starting from where the leads are coming from, which we focused, obviously, and later we're going to touch it even more about qualified leads, not just any type of leads, all the way into full conversion to become a patient and generate revenue to the practice. There is a disconnect between the two, which from Atlas' point of view, all the time I was being asked one time from the marketing side, oh, we really would like to see it. And then from the practice point of view, oh, I really like to share it with my marketing. Atlas was a dashboard it was not really made for a CRM type of filling up the gap. CRM is Client Relationship Management. And that's really started to lead me into thinking, oh, there is something even greater to solve that can really move the needle from a different angle before even starting to understand the numbers in order to optimize the practice and focus more on the lead generation, understand how is it being generated, what works, sometimes even more important, what is not working, and dive a little bit deeper than just thinking of knowing the lead source, which nowadays lead source is not probably the most relevant figure anymore when it comes to leads. So that's really kind of like how it's related together that brought me to start uh, Medical PRM.
1: Very cool. And I think just in that that little talk that you just gave, I think you've touched on a lot of big points, which I think we're going to have to start unpacking a little bit. You know, Let's just start with the frustration from the agency side. I can tell you as an agency owner, one of my biggest frustrations is definitely the ability to get data in and out of things like CRMs. And for those of you that don't know what a CRM is, it's something like a Salesforce or a HubSpot, some of these pre-existing ones that aren't really built well out of the box for plastic surgery practices. They don't really work well. And a lot of times, I can tell you, I find that it's very difficult to get data. While it may be easy to get it in, it's very hard to get it out sometimes to the point of purchase. So you know, when you're feeding a lead in, when you're feeding something from an advertisement online, like Isaac was saying, the source of the ad is not necessarily so important. And one of the things I want to unpack is this whole idea of omni-channel, the fact that people go across channels. They'll go to your Instagram, to your Facebook, to your Google ad, and do a search, go and check you out on websites like RealSelf, these uh, third-party review websites, and then come back to your website and make the purchase. And it didn't really matter where they, sort of like the journey that they followed through. It does not as important where they started as where they end up. What's important is that you're able to track your efforts across those channels, and the fact that that channel is making you sales. So you're not you know, accidentally cutting it out because you thought that it's not producing for you. And as an agency owner, like I said, while we're able to feed in these leads from the various sources, I have no idea if the practice is actually making money most of the time. And the shocking thing is, is that the doctors don't even know if they're making money. So they'll pull up spreadsheets, they'll do all these convoluted things to try to get to the numbers. But at the end of the day, they don't know if that lead came in and booked surgery and how much money that generated for the practice. And if they do know it, it's because they spent hours and hours digging through these spreadsheets and teasing out that data, which just slows down the whole effort because now we don't know where to scale. We don't know where to get these new leads from. We don't know how to move forward with that. And just not having that data is hindering a lot of practice. And I would say from what I see from the agency side is that's one of the biggest things that holds them back is one, not knowing their numbers and two, not being able to follow up with them. And Isaac, I want to get into that a little bit more. So let's start talking about your definition of a lead. So what is a lead to you? How do you define it in your system?
0: So there is really, and not getting too technical, but I'm just going to use two different figures for that. One going to be MQL, which is marketing qualified leads, and the second one going to be the SQL, the sales qualified leads. And there is really two types of leads. Let's, if we're trying to separate them into two different names, I'll say, we'll touch on prospect, which is more on the marketing side. It's to find people that are putting inquiries that you have no idea who they are, that maybe you have only name and phone number, or maybe just a name and an email, and you want to qualify them and then move them over to the other side of the fence, which is the SQL, the sales qualified leads which where the practices really can start to focus and say, okay, I know that he's a potential patient. I know that if I give him the right information or answer the right answers to his questions, I can make him book consult. And from there, the doctor can take it and convert him into a patient if then he's still relevant. So when we think about leads, it's, really, it's important for the practices to realize that there is two sides for leads. It's not just one big thing. Any type of phone number that's coming in through the website is not necessarily a lead yet. And I think that that's where I'm also working with practices to understand that there is a two-step type of process. The first one, normally, I think that needs to be on the lower tier and kind of like envision it like a virtual walking patient, right? If somebody just walking into your practice, he's always going to hit the front desk, right? And they're going to ask him a couple of questions. He's going to ask his own questions. They're going to make sure he's actually a potential and it's not just trying to sell them a marketing services or merchant services or anything like that or new hardware or new machinery. And there is obviously different type of criterias and different type of questions that they will ask before they're going to say, okay, now we can speak with our patient care coordinator, which is going to put on you a lot of effort and give you all the answers to all the questions. So the two steps are normally all the inquiries should accumulate within the front desk. They should start to reach out to every Inquiries that they get, and we'll call them a prospect in this case. They need to reach out to them, they need to speak with them. In most cases, we found that over 80% of practices not following up on a lead more than one time. After the first time they get the the information, they try to call that prospect. If he didn't answer, in 80% of the time, they're not even going to try a second time. Understanding that a qualified prospect can go up to $400 on average in some practices, right? So it's kind of crazy when you think about it. But if they will start to follow up, and that's kind of like all goes together, right? And we're jumping from one thing to another. But if they will manage the follow-up process to qualify those prospects, all those inquiries that are coming in from all the different channels that they have, like you mentioned, whether it's real self or, or the website or the social medias. And they will try to put an effort and try to make it systematic to try to make a phone call, then send them a text message if he's okay with that, send them an email, add them to the email drooping campaign that they probably already have within MailChimp or any of those type of engines, reach out to them on social medias, etc. all kinds of different methods that they need to try to follow up and get more interactions with those inquiries, understanding that each one of them can be the next patient. All that can happen from the front desk. Point of view, right? Once it's been qualified, and only then, then it moves to the patient care coordinator that then will speak with qualified leads that are potential to become a patient, give them the right answers, understanding that it only takes one wrong answer to lose the opportunity, right? So you want to make sure that the patient care coordinator is actually trained to answer all the hard questions and then turn them into a, a consult where the doctor can come, meet with them, and of course, convert them hopefully for a patient but that's when when we speak about leads it's really the importance of define it as the two sides of the fence
1: there is first the prospect those prospect turning into leads I couldn't agree more. And um, I want to backtrack just a little bit on the lead things and go even a little bit further up the chain from a marketing agency standpoint, just because I find that a lot of doctors and office managers, they don't really understand the whole online marketing game and how it works. So I want to just clarify a few things in terms of what a lead is and how we define a lead because... You'll talk to people and they'll promise to generate your leads from anywhere from $20 to, like you said, $400, $500 a lead, depending on the the type of lead that they're generating and the source that they're getting the lead from. But a lead is not a lead. This is the type of thing where quality really makes a difference and the way that it's generated really makes a difference. And I want to get into some concrete examples of that just from the agency side. So I'll give you an example. One way that you can get a lead old school way is to buy a list, right? So you can buy a list of names and addresses and phone numbers of people that may be a good prospect for you, right? That was the old school way of getting leads. You'd hand that to your salesperson. They would do outbound calling, you know, here's your list of leads. Good luck with it. You'd bang the phones all day and hope to get a sale. That's one kind of lead. Now with the internet and the way that things are progressing these days, you can generate leads with online ads, right? That's the most typical way that it's done these days. Uh, you can also get a lead from a, like a TV source or other sources. But let's focus on the internet. Even within an internet lead, there are multiple ways to get them. So very simple one would be the difference between interruption and search or seeking Advertising, right? So when someone is seeking, when they're in a seeking behavior, they'll do something like go to Google or Bing and they'll type in a search term like breast augmentation, uh, Manhattan or whatever, and they will try to find a physician because they are actively seeking versus interruption advertising on a platform like Facebook or Instagram where people are not really looking for anything. They're there hanging out, spending time. And this is called interruption marketing because you are interrupting their flow. Typically, they're bored. They're looking at pictures of family, cats, travel, whatever it might be. And then you can get in their face and get their attention. And it's a very powerful form of advertising. But that type of lead can be a little bit colder because they're further up the buying cycle. Right? Everything's a journey in terms of When someone wants to do a procedure and when they actually go through with the procedure, think of that as a journey, as a roadmap. And if they're further away from their goal, right, because they're no longer seeking, they're not right there at the end ready to go, they may be interested, right? So that type of lead is a little bit colder. We call that a colder lead versus a hot lead, which is ready to go and ready to book surgery. A cold lead may need some nurturing, right? So while the volume is much higher, you'd have to do a bit more work to try to get them in because they'll be a little bit less engaged. You've interrupted them. They've kind of acted on impulse and they may not be ready to go for a couple of months. So like Isaac was saying, when that kind of lead comes in, where I see the most amount of failure with practices is their inability to follow that up in a consistent manner. Because if let's say you have to follow up a lead just even once a week, as just like that's a bad example, but let's just say you do it once a week, you get a hundred leads that week. Right? All of a sudden, next week, it's 200 you're following up for. If you're doing it for 30 days, by the end of the month, it's 400 leads that you're now having to follow up to consistently that week. And it starts to become a real challenge without tech in place. And just to finish off that conversation, I want to give you one last example of a really cold type of lead. Right? So you can get people to fill in online forms, but there's a big difference between what Isaac's getting at with a marketing qualified lead, which may be a person that has filled in a comprehensive form. Right. So that's just a simple example of someone that's put in the extra effort to tell you a lot of information and give you a lot of feedback versus let's say that we run a contest for, you know, like win a free session of Botox or free injectables, you know, to take care of your wrinkles. we well, are going to have one winner. Well, you might have a thousand people fill in that form. But while they may be leads in the sense that they're interested in that kind of service, they're not a warm lead or even a hot lead at all. They're a very cold prospect. And the point of all of this is that a lead isn't a lead, it isn't a lead, right? A lead has to be qualified. And when they come in, the only way that you can really handle it as a smaller practice with maybe just one, two or three people at the front desk is to have something in place to follow that up and nurture that. So Isaac, I want to hand it over to you again and really start talking about this kind of leverage. Like where do you see practices failing and how is the technology that you're putting in place? How is that leveraging the staff and the people and their efforts to be able to start following up with these leads.
0: So it comes in two different areas that really focusing. Um, I found that most practices that are at least trying to make an effort and follow up, in most cases, trying to manage it through Excel, which was really not made for that. They end up just having a huge list of names with phone numbers and sometimes emails, but there is no logs of activity where was the last conversation was dropped off what was the reason for conversion or non-conversion and they don't really at the end come to the right insight of what is working and even sometimes more important what is not working in most cases they just end up with a huge list that nobody knows when was the last time somebody talked to them or if they were added into the email campaigns or if they were tried to text them and they don't come to any consistent process or recipe i'll say that say, okay, when a lead comes in, you need to call them right away. Then if he didn't answer, call them again later on that day or first thing tomorrow morning, send them a text message, send them this email. And that's what we found that works the best to get the response back and convert them into a patient or qualify them. It just doesn't work that way. And they, there is no system. The EMRs do not have the ability to log activities. They just, they are made for exactly what they are, for the electronic medical record, right? Once the lead ready to schedule appointment only from their own really the EMR kicks in and do some of them doing great job, right? One some of the others. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anything before that is really untrackable. It's not people are not tracking it. So medical PRM, what they develop is really the tool that helps them not just to understand what works and not working, but generate and populate all the marketing information that agencies need in order to understand the different type of campaigns, if it was a promotion that triggered them to come in or if it was um, a Google advertising that pushed them to come in and not just the website form, right? Like you mentioned before, it's it's the entire journey to understand the journey of how they end up coming to that website to submit that form or how many times they're visiting the website or if they came from a paid advertising or if they came from organic search, but also to be able to enforce the activity, the log of every activity that was every touch point that was made for that prospect to qualify them, every touch point that was made by the patient care coordinator, to move them forward, to schedule the appointment. And then if there is no appointment at the end, or if there is no conversion, or if the lead is not qualified, then to also log the reasons of why not, so they can stop to spend their money and help their marketing to become more of a sniper type of marketing and not just blasting shotguns to everywhere and spending the budget of the marketing everywhere. The goal of the entire game is all the time to optimize and to improve user data so your marketing can really start to narrow down the procedures that you want to promote and bring you the most qualified people for those and not just blast all social medias and spend all the money inside Google advertising that will generate to you, definitely will generate to you a lot of inquiries, but probably not to the things that you want
1: and not maybe the highest qualification for those. And not necessarily on the bottom line. I think that's the point that a lot of these doctors are missing is that they get starstruck with the um, inquiries coming in. Everybody feels really busy. But at the end of the day, I found very few of them know exactly where the money in the bank account came from exactly. Right. They know it's from their business, but they don't know exactly what generated it. And they're just happy to, you know, for the phone to be ringing and for them to be talking to people.
0: Exactly.
1: So, Isaac, you hit on a lot of big points, and I just want to backtrack. Again, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are physicians, they're office managers, they're maybe not necessarily trained in marketing and business. And I just want to make sure that we go step-by-step so that everybody understands the importance of this because you make some very, very big points, very casually, (laughs) Um, and I get it, but I I just, I want to make sure other people don't gloss over that. And one of them is that the point that you made with the staff where the staff is not, they don't have their processes in place, so you end up with anecdotal information. And I find this in a lot of practices. Like I always tell, (laughs) when I talk to a doctor and they're, they're telling me, you know, that we've tried something and it doesn't work, I said, well, hold on. You know, why doesn't it work? Because I'll never forget this story. I went to a practice and one of my first steps typically is to try to raise what the physician's getting because that adds to the bottom line profit, right? Like a $500 raise in your services can sometimes double some of their bottom line profits if they're only making 500 on the on the actual procedure and profit. So I always look at profitability first. And what I do is I just start adding it up. And then one of the staff said to me, well, I don't know. A lot of people don't like these new prices. They're complaining. I said, really? How many people? How many did you call? Well, you know, a few. I No, exactly. Like how many phone calls did they have? Well, you know, it was one. Oh, so one person complained because the staff, they bring their own bias into your practice, right? Like their own life experience, their own upbringing, you know, whatever their parents did to them to make them think a certain way. They bring that to the practice. And then as a physician, because you're not there, the physicians typically, you know, you're busy doing other things, preferably surgery, or you're in seeing patients or follow ups, right? Or seeing actual like uh, medical cases. If you're a hybrid model where you're cosmetic and uh, hospital, you're busy doing medical things and you're relying on the staff to give you that feedback. But as a business owner, when you take off the doctor hat and put on the business hat, As a business owner, you can't rely on anecdotal information. You need the hard data, right? You would never introduce a new drug if someone just said it looked like it worked well, right? But I find very casually, the doctors will listen to the office managers and just take their advice, right? They just take their word for it when they don't have any actual concrete proof. They don't record calls. They don't record data. They just pay out for advertising and basically listen to the staff. And because the staff brings their own insights into it, then you end up making the wrong decisions, right? And then there's a lot of frustration. And then I end up hearing, oh, we've tried that and it doesn't work. Well, the thing is that you don't know what you've tried and you don't know how you tried it because you're just relying on one data point, which is an opinion.
0: And you remind me of a saying that we used to say in Atlas all the time, and it's a very known, it's not ours, right? But without a data is just another opinion. And we always used to go by that. Anytime that somebody was trying to argue anything within the company or even with clients, if you don't have a data to back up what you tell me, you most likely just had one bad experience that made you to come to this conclusion. People are very emotional. We're normally going to remember the bad things, the bad interact, the client that complained not all the other clients that were super happy from that. And that's what we later going to take forward and make the decision based on it, which is it's the wrong decision in most cases. It's very emotional. It's very loaded. It's sometimes just one client that was very loud and complained very strongly about one thing. And then you take it and put it across everybody else and you really damage your business this way. So you're 100% right. One bad experience does not mean that Something is working or not working. If you don't have the data to back it up, you're just guessing 100% of the time.
1: Yeah, and and it's shocking and it's expensive. Like I can tell you that complaint with that just a $500 increase, that was um, at that point, even before growing the practice, that would have cost that physician $160,000 in profit, like extra profit a year without doing any more work. And it was just because one of the staff members felt Feelings about raising the price by five hundred dollars for an eight thousand dollar procedure, so (laughs) it's it's yeah it's you know it's heartbreaking to see that happening, and I'm excited by the fact that you're introducing things where you can start to empower the staff to have that, and empower the doctor to have that data on the back of their work. And um, another big point that you brought up is this consistency, the idea of doing things consistently, the fact that. You know, being able to answer the hard questions, making sure that they ask the right questions, that they answer them the same way all the time, that, uh, you know, when you make an adjustment to the answer, you can see the outcome on the uh, lead flow and the booking rate and the uh, closing rate of the sales. So, how is the software doing that? What do you have in place to be able to do that?
0: So, I first started the communication. I'm making a lot of predefined type of activities. So, It's a lot of drop-downs, not just free text, so people cannot just do whatever they feel like. you know. And that's kind of like number one mistake when you're not consisting is to give people the freedom to just make up things. You need to keep them inside guidelines. So most of the system is defined by predefined activities. So when you select, oh, I send them an email, you need to select which of the emails. I send them a text. Which text did you send them? So there is no Many places. There is also, of course, places for notes, for additional stuff, because there is always corner cases, not everything follow the 80-20 rules. But for the most of cases, you'll be able to keep them if you follow up the right way within the system. You'll be able to keep everybody in the same line. So like you said, you'll be able to see exactly what works and you can say and you can define and you should use your marketing providers because that's where the knowledge needs to come into place. How many times should I try it before I conclude whether I should change it or whether it works, not working, and then how to improve it? And in marketing, and and I'm sure you're going to agree with that, there is the A-B testing, right? Everything is the A-B testing. Before you can conclude anything, you have to test it at least one more time in a different angle to conclude which one is a better way, right? Even if something is working, maybe there is a better way of doing it. And the same way works with processes. So when they give the same answer all the time, Maybe there is a better answer to give that will generate more results. But you first have to analyze what's the result from answer number A. And that's really how the system has been developed. So most of the things are predefined. There is not so much place for, I told the mix and why, and he asked me why and said, in most cases, 80% of the time, clients or prospects will ask the same questions. I would recommend to every practice to predefine the answers that they want to give, the emails that they want to send, the texts that they want to submit, the social medias that they channels and they want to go after those clients and prospects that so they can communicate with them and interact with them. Many marketing tools and marketing agents, engines will allow you to define dripping campaigns and move them between the different campaigns that they will get. So it's different predefined emails that they will keep getting based on if they opened the email or didn't open the email, right? And if they open the email, they will start to get a different chain of emails. And then you can also test which chain generate them to come back. And the same way works for prospect and leads, the same way you can bring an existing and established patients as well. So the whole methodology can work on all angles and can really move the needle in so many different areas of the business, whether it's to increase the number of qualified consults that they get. So the people that actually sits in front are way more relevant and much more potential to become a patient which obviously is going to right away benefit your conversion rate and will generate for you the more specific procedure versus if you like to do more rhinoplasty or liposuction or breast augmentations, you'll be able to, the doctor will have the power finally to say, ah, I want to get more of that procedure, more consults of that, and not just random people coming for any type of things. That will benefit directly the revenue, the profits, and the final and probably One of the nicest things is to improve your marketing ROI, where your budget of your marketing will generate for you more money at the end. And that's I think that that's really where where we're trying to pinpoint everything.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more on that. and I I mean, you touched on that point just now about predefining the questions that patients ask. And I got to tell you that, you know, you jog my memory because I have to say that that's probably the number one thing I'll see in any practice that's got more than one person picking up the phone is that there's zero consistency in how the two, if there's two receptionists, they do things very differently, even between the two of them. And it's not just them. I Even in a practice where it's just one receptionist and you would think you would have some consistency, because things are not predefined, it's really relying on her mood and whatever she feels like saying that day. And there's no checklist in place. There's no predefined answer. There's nothing that she can go to to really create that consistency and have that flow. And I'll tell you as a marketer, the issue that I have with that from a marketing standpoint is that it throws off my A-B testing on the other side, right? So you're talking about A-B testing within your software, which by the way, that just uh, made me super excited. Like I, I can't <laughs> believe that you're, you're even thinking that way. I've never seen any kind of uh, software think that way uh, in terms of A-B testing these processes, which is critical, absolutely critical. But You know, going back to the marketing side where, yes, I do have the ability to A-B test quite easily, A-B test landing pages, you know, messaging, headlines, images, ad, ad types, ad targeting, delivery targeting, all that stuff we can A-B test and it's fantastic. But here's the thing, if that is going on and then the receptionist is doing something wrong, like if I'm doing a click-to-call campaign, right, and I'm trying to track how many calls I get and how it goes, her ability to book that day and her consistency, right, is the number one factor that's going to determine the success of my A-B test. So it throws all that off if the backend variables are not in place and they're not static. And, uh, you know, that's a huge mistake as well, right? And again, it introduces, you know, what I would call pollution in the data. And it gives you data that's just dirty and not useful. And you can't know where you went wrong, right? So you end up screaming at the marketing company when really it's your staff and you've got no idea what the staff is doing. Whereas if we could keep those in place, right, and start having that consistency with the software and having the data on the back of that, I think that it'll, you know, also improve your decision making on the marketing side and ultimately enable your marketers to do a better job for you. Because a lot of agencies, they just want to get your results at the end of the day and keep you paying. You know, they want to do a good job for the most part. Not all of them, but I should say for the ah. most part, <laughs> they want to try to do a good job, and it'll help them do better for you as well. So I think that that's important. Um, exactly. Isaac, another thing that you brought up and it got me excited and I didn't touch on it on the uh, when you previously just spoke, but it's this idea of data versus insights and I find that a lot of people that bother to track, right, that are are even at that way, which I'd say is like 1% to 2% of cosmetic practices that have gotten even to the point where they've got a spreadsheet and are kind of aware of what's going on, even though it's painful. They've got this data, and I'll define data as numbers, like let's say 25% or 30% closing rate, right? They've got this data. But they don't have the insights. And what what you said there about being able to take notes and give you the reasons why and why not. Talk to me about where that came from and why you put that in. Because I know as a business consultant, I'm always looking for that insight. I'm looking for the story behind the data. And I want to know what led you to that and why you built that in. Yeah,
0: that's obviously the nature of what I do is always data, right? If it starts even from Atlas, it's just the way business works. Knowing what works is only one part of the equation, if you don't know what's not working, you can really spend so much effort and money in one place and not understand that you can just take that budget or take that effort and put them into the other side of the equation and double your performance. So the importance of the insight is more than just, like you said, just the numbers. The data, yes, it's nice to have, it's great that they fill up in Excel, but if they say, oh, my conversion rate is, and I'm going to take the number that a lot of people like, 70%, right? which we know it's most times not correct, but we'll touch the 70%. And you say, oh, why is it only 70%? right? You can challenge those numbers that you get from the data. You can do that only when you have the insight. If you don't have insight, you can really not challenge the number. You just have to agree and accept it the way it is. And for me as an analytics side, It's the hardest part, right? Just to accept the number the way it is and not ask, why is it like that? Can we get it better? Can we do a better performance on this? How can we improve that number? Or why is it so bad, right? Sometimes you say, oh, I'm getting 100 prospects, but only 10 out of them are scheduling a consult. That's a 10% conversion from prospect to consult. Can we change that? Can it be better? Is this the best that we can do without the insight of the data, without... All the entire story, which means you need to keep accumulate that data, you need to put it inside the process. You will never know if you can improve it, you never know if it's the right number, if it's accurate, if it's just a number that is random based on random activities of different people that do their job, right? Like you mentioned, one reception answer A, the other reception answer B, that can fluctuate the numbers in tremendous ways. So without keeping consistent the storyline or the guidelines that you set inside your business and then apply the data on top of that, you were never going to be able to get the insight. And that's, I think that's really the importance, the ability to challenge those numbers. So if you made $2 million that year, and next year you want to set a goal, your goal is going to be a completely guess if you don't have an insight that based on that, you can say, I'm going to tweak X, Y, and Z in order to then set this goal. You're just going to make up stuff. And that's what I see all the time. I used to see it in Atlas, I see it when people speak about generating more leads, right? Oh, I'm going to spend more money on my marketing. I'll generate more leads. doesn't mean you're going to generate more consults. It doesn't mean you're going to make more money. You may just going to spend more, but that's the only fact that you currently have.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. One of my favorite sayings from my book is that activity doesn't equal progress, and that's what it is. People love to get the activity, and they love to feel busy, but they kind of put blinders on when it comes to checking if it actually added to the bottom line. So on that insight i love how you said challenging the data i, I love that i'm going to i'm going to take that saying from you and i'm going to use it from now on because <laughs> um, I, I think it's very important and i always try to um just for the listeners i try to bring it back to a concrete example in terms of what that means so i'll give you a, a case that i was just dealing with the other day and this happens actually in a lot of practices where they have to decide between a free consultation versus a paid consultation right it's a very typical thing to decide. Younger doctors, they'll typically try to do a free consultation to get more people in the door. What happens when you add a fee is that it'll tend to drop your uh, number of consults, but you hope it increases the quality of the consult because the person's a little bit more serious, right? So that's a decision that's very typical across plastic surgery, cosmetic, you know, anywhere that, uh, that deals with consultations This whole free versus paid. And when you add the fee in what immediately happens is that your conversion rate from your leads goes down, right? Like that's an immediate thing that you can pretty much expect it to happen unless you're in an area that doesn't have a lot of competitors and you're kind of like the only option and you've got a monopoly, you know, that's an edge case. Most big cities though, you've got another, you know, 30, 40, 50, 70 plastic surgeons like you would have up here in Toronto or LA or somewhere or hundred or, you know, Manhattan. So in those cases, what will happen is that your number, the data, will go down, right? So if you went from like say like a 50% or 60% conversion from lead to consult, it'll drop down to 40 or 30, whatever it is, you'll see a drop. And then it's very hard to know where to move forward. So this is where I see people getting stuck without the insights. Like you, When you say you can't challenge that data, yes, it went down. Oh, woe is me, our consults went down. But the question then becomes, of the ones that came in, did more of them book surgery? So are these people that are paying the consultation fee more likely to convert into paying clients that actually book surgery and pay you for a surgery? So are you making more money on the back of those consults? Or were you making the same amount of money on the back of the um, the free consults? You're getting the higher volume, but then was the conversion to surgery the same, right? And when it drops then, the question starts to become why is the drop? So here's where the insight comes in, and this is where they get paralyzed. Oh no, the consultation is dropped. What are we going to do? The only option, it's usually just an on or off switch for most of them, right? It's like, boom, either consultation fee on or off, right? Because they're just at the beginning of that stage. And without the insights to know, you know, what is the objection to the price? When you go to, you know, tell them that it's a hundred dollar, two hundred dollar consult fee. What is the objection? What's the story behind that? What are they saying? Oh, they don't want to pay because oftentimes it's not the money that's the issue, it's the fact that your sales staff didn't do a great job of selling the consultation and the procedure. And then, if you've got that insight and your sales staff starts to say, You know, well, they don't want to book, okay, well, ask this question What's the issue? What's the answer that they're giving you? Now you start to get the data, and then you've got ways that you can start to adjust. And then you can, like you said, put in those places that you can start to A, B test and those standardized answers and empower your staff to really convert more of those people and then bring that consultation number back up. But when you've just got a hard you know, percentage number, you've got nowhere to move from there. It's pretty much you know, either on or off, and then they get paralyzed and don't know what to do. So the fact that you guys are thinking about that just from a business development standpoint, is very exciting for me as a consultant. The fact that I can think that I can give this to the clinics that we work with and the practices and the plastic surgeons that we work with and tell them that they've got that and empower their staff to have that data and then I can get that data fed back to me as a consultant really lets me do a better job for them as well as them doing a better job for themselves. So I think that that's fantastic.
0: Yeah, and I think you gave a great example. I think it's a classic example of many practices that have this challenge. I used to be asked this all the time in Atlas and there is really without a clear understanding of the operation and the processes. It's very hard to consult them whether you should or shouldn't charge for a consult, right? You need to understand the staff, and that's part of what we also develop inside the system. Everything is user-based, so you can really see which front desk user or even which patient care coordinator interacting more or what type of activities they are applying that then benefit later the performance to the good or the bad, right? So then you can know which person you need to improve more. So. If you see that most people that coming for Botox, let's say inquiries, and speaking with that front desk representative are likely to book less appointments after that versus the other, let's say the, the second front desk person that you have that getting a Botox and have a higher number of consults book, you know that you have a training issue, you know, you need to go back to that same rep and speak with them exactly about Botox, you know exactly for what reasons you need to speak with them. If you see it's a male versus female, so you get that's really the insight that you'll be able to get by logging it correctly, by applying the right technology to log all those different type of inquiries and applying all those resources and efforts to, at the end, try to generate more revenue to your practice and grow the business. So, like you said, it's to test all the time, to always challenge the numbers, and always improve the process. That's the name of the game. That's really running a business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we could talk for hours on this type of stuff. And um, just for the sake of brevity, I, I want to try to keep these episodes to like 45, 50 minutes, typically under an hour, just to give doctors a chance to listen on their commute or uh, you know when they've got a spare few minutes. So I think we could go like really deep into this and You guys that are listening to these regularly, you can bet Isaac will be back because we've also discussed a few other ideas that uh, I think we'd love to touch on together. But Isaac, before we wrap things up on this, what I'd like to hear, because when we talked uh, offline about this stuff, you were telling me about some features that, you know, frankly, just got me uh, extremely excited. So I want to give you the opportunity to just tell everybody you know, if you had to narrow it down to, let's say, one, two, three features or four features that you think are killer features in terms of moving the needle, because I'm really all about growth and expansion and getting people to have the life that they want with their business. What are those features? Walk me through maybe the top three or four features that you think will really move the needle for these practices that you guys are doing that others aren't.
0: I think I'll start probably with Number one, it's the sense of urgency, that ability to integrate and embedded forms inside the website. So when a lead come in, when you get an interaction from a potential prospect, you get notified and you notify the right people inside the practice. So right away, they can jump on this opportunity and try to make a contact. Remember that the person is probably browsing multiple different websites. The first one, it's kind of like first come, first take, right? The first practice that's actually going to reach out going to have the best chance to give the right information to be able to win that opportunity. So the system has the ability to notify the people right away the moment they submit the information on the website. Right away, your patient care coordinator, your front desk, the doctor, anybody in the practice can be notified, whether it's a text or even an email. So right away, they can reach out back to the lead and provide
1: all the information. First, I just want to tell everyone I love that part of it because there's something called buying momentum. Whenever you're selling anything, some people, they get into, not most some people, buyers in general, whatever they're buying, they get into a velocity, right? So you've got this buying velocity, the momentum, and that carries them through to the sale. And if that's interrupted and it's not timely, like Isaac is saying you really lose out. So if you're waiting till the next day to call your prospects because you, it's coming in by email, like I've got one case where they're, they're literally having to refresh the email every few minutes just to see if the lead came in, that kind of thing is really killing your practice. Because what Isaac just said there is huge, and a lot of people don't realize this. And that is that the market for cosmetic surgery has been trained by everybody from you know these guys on the uh, forums and blog posts and real self right through to the uh, American Society of Plastic Surgeons and any of these societies online they are told to contact multiple places they're educated to do this they're advised to do this by your governing bodies so don't assume that because you got a lead they didn't also submit three other forms 2 minutes ago and what Isaac said is whoever gets to that first gives the highest signals an indication of the quality of care that that patient can expect. Because if you can't be bothered to call somebody back when they made an inquiry for 48 hours, you know that's how they're going to feel that they're going to be treated when they're a patient of yours. If you get back to them right away, that's the first impression that you can't take back. That's the indicator of the quality of care that they're going to receive from your practice. The timeliness, the attention, the fact that you care enough about their business and you want them to be with you. Right. So that's something that a lot of people just take for granted and they don't understand that you're in a competition now. You're not alone. This isn't, <laughs> you know, this isn't 15, 20 years ago when I started, when plastic surgery was kind of novel and then you had a couple of options. And if someone called you because they found you uh, online because SEO was a brand new thing and you happened to be dominating on Google or whatever, to, you know, Excite or Yahoo or whatever was top of uh, the pack back then, that they weren't calling five other places. But now in this day and age, when the age of instant communication, they are calling multiple places. So feature number one, I think that's killer. Don't underestimate the importance of that. So I'm going to hand it back to you, Isaac. Feature number two, go. I'll say auto population of data. So once you're using the integrated forms of
0: the software, when somebody submits information, everything is being populated automatic. So you don't really need to ask, how did you hear about us or what made you today submit this online information or whether he never even answered you after that, after he submitted information, all that marketing data that later conclude what works or not working completely populates automatically, whether you paid for that lead or he found you organically or any of those. So I think populate the data automatic and not need to start typing inside Excel in a consistent manner is one of the most important things and saving a lot of hours and time for many practices.
1: That's another big one. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) I'll tell you, I'm laughing because it's just you, you, like, you take me back through a time warp, like right back through the beginning of my career and when I started all of this stuff. And, you know, the classic way a lot of people are still doing it with spreadsheets now is how did you hear about us? Yeah, well, I can tell you that the accuracy of that data is absolutely non existent. I was trying to think of a clever analogy, but I couldn't come up with one. But it's just non existent because, first of all, you're asking that patient to do the work for you. Right, So you're relying on their um, industrialness, like industrial, I don't know if that's a word, but you're relying on them being willing to do the work to try to remember, to tell you how they heard about you, not just default to Google. Oh, I did an online search. You don't know that. You don't know. They may have clicked on your ad, right? So you don't know if it came from your ad campaign or from organic. That's a, you know, a classic like number one mistake right there. You don't know where to put your money because you're running ads and it's organic. And you don't know if that person... Actually, clicked your campaign and came in, or you know, went on Google organic because Google is still Google to most users, they don't even realize half the stuff is ads, right? So, that's a classic mistake. The second one is you're relying on your staff to actually ask that question in the first place and them not default because most practices don't record the calls and they don't track for accuracy to make sure that the staff is asking that in the first place, and you're introducing human error on a second level. So now you're sandwiching the human error for a really tasty error sandwich there because they're not doing anything accurately. So the client may not give you the right answer, and then the staff may not answer. And then because they forgot, they just default to whatever the most popular one is. And I guarantee you it's going to be either referrals or Google, 100%. So auto-populating of the data where the machine's doing the work and giving you accurate data, I can't say enough how important that is. So feature number two, again, that's, that's killer. That got me excited when you told me the first time as well. So I'll hand <laughs> it back over.
0: Okay. And I'll give you the, the last one, which is also the nature of where all of it leading to the end. And we said talk about the insight and we talk about analytics. Of course, the reporting side where just by doing the regular work, the work that they do today, that just by using the system, they will be able to see the ROI on their marketing. There is ability to enter all the different campaigns, or even if they just want to enter how much they spend on marketing this month, if they don't want to break it down to the campaigns and the different promotions and different coupons that they're applying out there, they can do that as well. So they can see it on the lowest level degree, but they can also see it from a very high level by just entering how much money did you spend on marketing? And then by seeing who are the patient and for what procedure that they converted for, earned from them, they're going to be able to get the ROI for the marketing. They'll be able to see the customer acquisition costs, so how much they really pay for a lead, for a qualified lead, or just for prospects. And the last, obviously, the conversion rates. They'll be able to see how many leads schedule a consult, how many consults turn into patients. And that's just a few of the numbers and the figures of the analytics side, not including, of course, all the different types of logging of the activities of the front desk, the patient care coordinator, the different provider, different locations, different procedures, But all of that, of course, is building inside the system. The data is there. And from past experience, I kind of know already how to use it in trying to benefit (laughs) the practice the
1: most. You've got a little experience there. Yeah. A little little bit. Um, (laughs) Just for you as business owners that are listening, I'll tell you, Isaac, again, he just, he hit some of these very big points very quickly that I want to make sure that you don't gloss over or miss. And one of them that he hit there is really having those essentially you know, what I'd call red flags, Uh, your data, your dashboards, those are really the things that you can keep an eye on your business as a, uh, like a 30,000 foot view of your business as a business owner, right? Between surgeries, before you do, you know, your end of day, you can just have a look and really see if those numbers are off, right? If you know what the mean is, if you know what, what it is on average, and you see that something spikes either up or down, as a business owner, that's a trigger for you to look into why that's happening. Because you know, if it's good, if it's spiking up, you want to do more of that. If it's spiking down, you want to see what's wrong with that process. Or like Isaac just said, the difference between maybe two of your consultants or two of your receptionists, hey, what's going on with them? Did, did something happen in their family, something in their personal life? Or have they stopped following the procedures? What's changed? And let me dig into that and why that's important for you is because you can plug a hole very quickly, right? Before the ship goes down, you've got to, you sprung a leak. You can plug it as opposed to kind of waiting until you're uh, waist deep in the water and about to capsize. And that's why that's important as a business owner. And I want to make sure that whether you use software or not, that you're starting to pay attention to that in your own practice. Yeah. So Isaac. You know, I'm very excited about this software. I know my clients that I've spoken to uh, about are excited about this. I know the industry is going to benefit tremendously from it. I'd like to ask you, well, first I'd like to ask you if there's anything I didn't ask you about it that you feel is important for everybody to know.
0: No, I think we covered the most of the importance. um, As long as there is the will to increase and improve your practice and not just keep your head down and just do your thing the day-to-day. Doctors are very busy, not all the time really want to play the role of the business owner. That's really the way to make things very easy and keep increasing and keep improving the business in the most easiest way. They can dedicate it even to the office manager to look at the dashboard, look at the numbers. Marketing information, sometimes you need to review, not even on a daily basis. You know Sometimes marketing can take, a strategy can take 90 days to start to see really results. By the time it's getting People make decisions. It takes more than just one banner, one time for a potential to actually submit information. You need to pop up in multiple places. So it's not something that they need to do on a daily basis all the time. Some of them can. I don't want them to think that they now need to learn how to become a specialist of marketing. They can use a system like that just to close the gap between the unknown of the marketing agencies shooting today in the dark to a well-known and, and understanding the data just if the marketing are making sure they use it and making sure that their front desk and their people are actually maximizing every opportunity, it's their own benefit to do that, right? So I've seen some practices that actually the, the marketing agency are the one that running and chasing the front desk to call people and make sure not to forget to follow up and do all of that part because it's a win-win at the end. The doctor want to keep using them. They want to show the performance. So when embedding a system like that inside a practice is really just going to benefit. There is really no downside to that as far as I see it.
1: Yeah, I can tell you I've done that dance chasing chasing after the uh, practice to actually pick up the phone and call people. So I'm laughing because I know exactly what that feels like. I did actually remember my point from uh, what you made before and then a second point on what you just said. And that point was that with this data, It really takes ego out of the equation. I'll tell you where this came up for me is when I was speaking in France at IMCAS. There was a physician there who was very proud of the fact that she was very big on her Instagram, putting her success in Zuckerberg's hands over there in case he changes his mind, her whole business would tank, and that she wasn't paying for her marketing. And all that said to me is that, you know, she's afraid to pay for marketing because she doesn't know what works. Because if I told you, you give me $1,000 and I'm going to hand you back $2,000. How many times a day would you want to do that transaction with me? You'd want to do it all day long. And that's what marketing does for a business, right? You hand out some money, you go to the traffic store, you buy some traffic from Facebook and Google, and then they hand you back some money. And then you do it over and over so that you can grow aggressively and consistently and predictably and under your control so that's what this software does that's what having these numbers in place and easily accessible where like Isaac said you can empower your staff to do it where you're not having to hound them all the time where you can all look at the same data very quickly and just say hey guys this is what our goal is this is what our target is go make it happen that empowers you to use your staff and their intellectual ability to its full capacity which is extremely extremely important the other point that Isaac made is uh just being able to keep an eye on, like he said, your spend. So I'll I'll tell you a quick story with uh, one of our larger clients. We took over the um, Google campaigns from uh, a previous company. And what Isaac said about some stuff taking 90 days, it's the nature of the industry where it just takes time. This isn't an e-commerce transaction. And uh, while I'm not a big believer in waiting a, a long time for your campaign to show results, like I like to get more immediate results. What we did with her is within two weeks, we spent $30,000 on Google and we flooded them with leads. And she hadn't seen this kind of acquisition before. So she's like kind of freaked out a little bit. Oh my God, turn it off, turn it off. Because, you know, unlike a lot of practices, she actually was tracking her spend versus her income. But because there's this lag, you have this cohort of people, the group of people that are coming in on day one and maybe their transaction, because it's not an e-commerce transaction, right? You've got to book a consultation, deal with life, show up and then buy. It can take 30 to 60 days, 90 days, like Isaac said. So what was happening that we turned it off in two weeks because she thought, you know, she was freaking out, like money is flying out the door. By the end of the month, that was ROI positive. 60 days later, it made a ton of money, like doubled pretty much the amount of money or more, I believe, from what I remember of what it was. And that was, you know, having those numbers and understanding how they change over time as well is critically important because that allows you to scale. Like if you're dealing with a lot of competitors in your market, the only way to win is to have these numbers because that allows you to acquire the patients that allows you to spend more than your competitors. That's how you win. You don't win by just going on Instagram and not knowing what's happening because ego is a bitch. Ego will make you do things, right? Because you've got notoriety and you've got people telling you how great you are. But when you don't know what the numbers are, right? Egos can make you do all the wrong moves. It can make you make all the wrong moves and take the wrong decisions. And that's what you're avoiding with this kind of software. So, Again, really big points that Isaac touched on. I just wanted to uh, expand on that a little bit. Isaac, how can people get in touch with you? Firstly, how can any doctors that are interested get a hold of you and check out the software, get a demo? And how can potential partners get a hold of you personally if they're interested in speaking further? Simple as going to
0: medicalprm.com. They have form over there. I'm getting a text message. The moment I get a lead, I jump on it, (laughs) just like I, I preach what I practice. That's probably the best way for partners and for potential uh, opportunities. It's an early stages. I'm not sure at what date they are listening to this podcast, but at the moment it's December and it's pretty early stages of the system. So more than happy to discuss with potential partners, potential
1: clients, get feedbacks, give my own and grow it from there. Beautiful. Okay. So, guys, I'm going to put these in the show notes. Uh, they'll show up on iTunes and Google and uh, on our website, obviously, at thinkpaces.com. Grab the link from there. Contact Isaac if you uh, didn't type it in from the uh, actual podcast. And, you know, Isaac just said that it's in the early stages. I want to talk to you guys about something called first mover advantage. And uh, this is where the person in the market that makes the first move ahead of the competition tends to do well and win and you know whether you take this further or not take a look at the software talk to isaac at the very least learn what he's doing and you know i'm going to be jumping on this as soon as he says that the covers are off of it i 'm very excited about it just because from a marketer's standpoint for my clients, this solves the number one problem that I have as a marketer and in, in a business dev guy in helping practices double and triple is this is the number one thing that holds people back is this ability to follow up this ability to act quickly and uh, the ability to actually know what's making a difference in the practice so I hope you guys take advantage of it. Uh, Isaac, uh, it was a pleasure as always. I want to thank you for joining us. And, you know, I have a feeling everyone's going to be hearing from you again. That's for sure. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Looking forward to the next time. All right. Thanks, everyone. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Practice Perfect. I hope this episode's given you a lot to think about. I hope you've got actionable ideas that you can take back to your practice and go back and make changes, make improvements, and take it to the next level. If you want show notes, and additional help and advice and articles on how to grow your practice, visit us at thinkbasis.com, where we hold the podcast. That's dot com, Or just Google the Practice Perfect Podcast, and you should be able to find our podcasting page. Have a great day, have a wonderful week, and I wish you all the best with your practice. Go out there, make a change, and make it happen.